Nasty! How's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. How's it going, everybody? This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm, once again, his brother, Will Brueggemann. This is going to be fun. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Thank you for indulging us. We had a, a sort of a week off last week. We did a Mercado mm-hmm. Radio as I've been settling into a new job. Perfect and, timing. Uh, that's been very exhausting. And yeah. So now both of us are <laughs> teaching music in various different styles and capacities. How fun is that? What a thrill. What a thrill. It is, it is a roller coaster ride. Guys, this is going to be so fun today. The name of today's episode is 8-Bit Lost Treasures. A couple years ago, we did an episode called 16-Bit Lost Treasures, and the whole point of that episode was to play music from, I think that episode was the SNES and the Genesis, music that you might not have heard before, some obscure hidden gems, great music that for whatever reason kind of got lost in time. And that's kind of the the goal for today, except this is going to be 8-bit music. So we're playing music from systems such as the NES, the Game Boy, the MSX, systems like that. This is going to be music that I think most people listening haven't heard before. There might be some things that some hardcore VGM fans have heard, uh, but this is stuff that um, is not in the public consciousness. Carl, I gotta say, it's been so weird having a week off. What's a video game? What 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 is <laughs> a game music? Mean? I I don't remember. <laughs> now you're turning into our dad. What's what's video music? What's a video music song? <laughs> yeah, so um, this is just a great playlist of awesome tunes that deserve to be held up and deserve to be celebrated and talked about. And so we're gonna do our part today to try to you know keep this stuff alive. And and sometimes from really amazing legendary composers but from games that most people definitely have not heard of. So I'm really looking forward to this. Me too. We are playing in with a title screen from Tenchi Wo Kurao 2, um, which I think safe to say neither of us had ever heard of this game. But it's from a classic composer, Capcom composer. This is uh, from Yasuaki Bun Bun Fujita, uh, known by titles such as Mega Man 3 and many other classics. That was for the Famicom, so that was released only in Japan. And again, that was Tenchi Wo Kurao 2. Wo indeed. That was a pretty awesome track. A lot of really Tenchi cool Whoa! <laughs> shredding Kurao arpeggios. Two. What were your thoughts of that opener? That was really great. I like it started off. It almost had like a quasi religious sound to it. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. the energy just like spiked up, but it totally makes sense being a bun bun Fujita track, right? Because it reminds me a little bit of the opening to Mega Man three. You know, it has that. And it's like kind of nice and everything. And all of a sudden the energy comes in. I feel like that's maybe a, a common trait with some of his music is having a deceptively slow intro in kind of mm-hmm. being a little bit holding your cards to the chest about revealing the the kind of rhythmic excitement that happens throughout the rest of the piece. For sure. Well, now we're going to move on to a Game Boy game that is also very obscure. This is called Monster Traveler. Have you ever heard of this game, Will? It sounds like so many. It's like the mixture of Monster, <laughs> Hun- Monster Hunter and Octopath Traveler. So yeah. it sounds familiar, but it might just be a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's apparently a strategy game that was released only in Japan in 2002 by the Taito Corporation. So I'm pretty sure that uh, most people haven't heard of this game. Monster Traveler for the Game Boy. And this was composed by Katsuhisa Hattori. We're going to take a listen to BGM7. There are no titles for any of this music, so the best we can do is BGM7 from Monster Traveler. 
You guys are listening to BGM7 from Monster Traveler, which is a Game Boy game released in 2002. This was composed by Katsuhisa Hattori. This sounds a lot like the Dragon Quest or the Final Fantasy series. Yeah. It's very regal, very royal, classical, and very beautiful. Well, it's very British in stately. <laughs> it's very you British. Know? <laughs> it sounds it like music that would be perfect for a composer like Rafe Vaughn Williams or something, or Edward Elgar, Gustav Holst, the kind of mm-hmm. line of, you know, British stately pomp and circumstance. Grant Kirkhope, type. David Wise. <laughs> not exactly, not that British, you know. Not that's... that British. <laughs> no, but yeah, this is just delightful. I love when 8-bit music... This is music... a hidden gem. Yeah, I love when 8-bit music evokes the sounds and styles of more sophisticated genres of music and kind of mm-hmm. brings that classiness to the language of video game music. And I think it's actually a type of writing that is so perfect for the limitations of 8-bit hardware. And I think mm-hmm. it actually really evokes people's imaginations. You know, when you're playing a game, even when with these primitive synthesizers, if it can make you think of, you know, harpsichords and, you know, recorders and... Yeah, I don't know, violins, if, if it has a sound that maybe feels a little bit classic to it, just due to the composition, some of the the techniques of almost like, it, it sounds very keyboard-centric, like you have that Alberti bass, yeah-da-da-da-da-da-da. Da, right. da, 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 da. Ah, that's delightful. It sounds so familiar and like classic, like I've heard it before, but I definitely yeah, it's, haven't. It's a really good melody. Uh, mm-hmm. It does have that kind of classic sound. I really agree with you, Dragon Quest was very yeah. accurate, because I think a lot of the Sugiyama tra- tracks have this neoclassical sound like not just that they sound symphonic but that they really sound like music from the 1800s for sure i'm excited to go back to the nes well technically the first opener was the famicom but basically the same hardware this is the nes it's a game called flying warriors and apparently it was an action game developed by culture brain was the company came out in 91 that's a great band name dude <laughs> culture brain and this was composed by akinori sawa we're culture brain find us on myspace <laughs> and the name of this track is tournament let's check it out (laughs) 
so good. You guys are listening to Tournament from Flying Warriors, the definition of a hidden gem. This is composed by Akinori Sawa for the NES, and this is a track that wins you over. It just keeps getting better and better. A really kind of odd and unique approach to the implementation here, um, but it's very successful. What a delightful track. It's so cool. I, I just love the way that it gets back into the form. Yeah. Uh, with those, those fallen ass arpeggios. Yeah, those glorious arpeggios. It's like a, a half diminished chord <laughs> and then some sort of major chord. Man, that was really neat. How that. What did you think of the use of the of the different channels? Well, on what this I love track? is it almost sounds like it was written by a composer who'd never heard another NES track before, and they didn't realize that you know on a lot of these 8-bit systems, triangle is almost always regulated to the bass. And right. here, the triangle is, I think, never the bass voice. It's the melody, It's either yeah. the middle voice in the harmony, which adds this really interesting sound to the sonority because that triangle channel is so rich with overtones. It's basically so, a sine wave. Yeah, lead. when it doubles, like, the... Uh, the the tenor voice or whatever, the alto voice, it has this really harmonically striking quality to it that makes you hear the quality of the chords differently, but then it's also the melody. And, you know, it almost makes sense that to an outsider, you have these two channels that are pretty much identical in this one oddball out. So Mm -hmm. it does make sense for it's almost like, okay, these two will be the accompaniment and this triangle channel will be the melody. And I think... You know, it's not something that would be successful in every single track, and I think there's a reason why triangle is usually the bass. I think, it, but it's it very tends charming here. Good. Yeah, it's a really neat sound. Yeah, it's just a great composition, and you think that it's going to be a little bit more simple and straightforward when it starts off. I mean, it's it's a cool track from the beginning, but it gets a lot more jazzy and exploratory as it proceeds. And yeah, I, I just am a really big fan of everything about this composition earlier when I was saying that it sounds like a sine wave obviously technically it's a triangle wave uh, s- pretty similar sounding waves definitely more similar than a square wave um, but the way that that's used for the lead yeah, it's it, like it a works. sine wave it's like a sine wave in a universe with no curvy lines it's Absolutely. like if you live in a universe where everything is at a <laughs> pointy angle <laughs> no but um what I think is also really cool about this track is it's almost like the 8-bit equivalent of kind of, I don't know, 20th century orchestration when composers started to intentionally break the rules of registration and, you know, put the bassoon above the oboe and have the clarinet above the flute and have just these weird instrument sounds where the the all the hierarchy gets a little bit messed up so you have instruments playing in ranges where cello is above violin or there's all these things that happen um throughout the orchestral repertoire as music started to approach new types of emotions and this is kind of like the 8-bit equivalent of that where it's like yeah, normally triangle is the base, but when you change it up, it, also because you're so used to that expectation, right? it's almost like this kind of interesting freedom that I'm not used to when listening to a lot of this music. Well, apparently this Akinori Sawa was like the in-house composer for this company, Culture Brain. I'm really curious if, if you guys have heard, like how many uh, tracks on today's playlist that any of you have heard before. It looks like a lot of the, there's like this series called Super Chinese that this company <laughs> There's like Super Chinese World, Super Chinese Land, uh, a lot of other titles. Um, yeah, Akinori Sawa. Wouldn't Super Chinese Land, wouldn't that just be called China? <laughs> I suppose, but it doesn't sound quite as fun. Is super. 
All right, now we're going to move on to a track uh, that might be a little controversial. We should mention this. So we're including a system today um, that is not technically an 8-bit system, but music-wise, to us, it feels like an 8-bit system. So we're just going to include it because, hey, it's our podcast, and we can do what we want. Also, we didn't feature any of this on our 16-bit Lost Treasures. This is the Turbo Graphics. You know the funny thing, though, about, Carl, with Turbo Graphics is, like, we have such a history of controversy with the Turbo Graphics music. So yeah, why don't like we just stay Some away? people might have been offended that we didn't have it on our 16-bit Lost Treasures, but I could see those same people being offended that we have it on today's episode, because they'll be like, what? Turbo Graphics is 16-bit? But, hey, I gotta say some of the best music on this playlist happens to be from the turbo graphics so i'm really glad that it I is think the moral of the story is it bits don't matter you know we need to look <laughs> I've beyond always said the that. bits you think outside the bits <laughs> all right so anyway um sorry if anyone's deeply offended by our inclusion of the turbo graphics today um we're gonna play a track from a game called mamotaru katsugeki sorry about some of these japanese titles i'm gonna butcher today the name of this track is lava cave uh, and there's no known composer here. Uh, all we know is that it was someone from the Hudson Sound Team. Let's check it out. guys listening to lava cave from let's see here Ma- momo taro katsugeki ah man i'm so bad at these titles carl i think that was pretty accurate momo oh, taro katsugeki this is for the turbo graphics 16 and i can't believe that it's on an episode called 8-bit lost treasures what are we doing with this podcast i think we've lost our mind yeah, I mean, this is just the postmodern world. Rules don't matter. We're in a we're in a space where we we create our own reality. <laughs> God is dead, and no, I'm just kidding. Basically, the <laughs> most important thing that you should know about this playlist is it's all really good music that is all chip based. This is what um, Nietzsche was referring to, though. He was really talking about us including a Turbo Graphics. What 16 is a chip? Track. What yeah. is a bit? What? Before we okay. get down that rabbit hole, what do you Screw think about that. this track? Let's talk about the track. I, I love this track. I it's This should have been in our VGM sound episode. I mean, it's hmm. every aspect of it. The rhythms are so quintessential. The harmonies, that progression, the arrangement is just so solid. It really reminds me of Yuzo Koshiro, and it also reminds right. me, you know, a lot of like the ease games and that sort of Falcom-y sound. But I, I really... It's again. We keep discovering these great Turbo Graphics tracks that I almost just wish, you know, we would have included in our episode spotlighting that console all those years ago. Because this would have been a standout. It takes a while to to find some of these hidden gems, though. I mean, it it really is a lot of digging, and I and I do think that some of this stuff wasn't necessarily available at that time, as far as uh, you know, these .dot hes. Um, directories, these different websites that have all this TurboGrafx music. Some of this stuff is, is constantly being updated, so we might not have even seen this back then. But yeah, what a great track. Absolutely classic. It's another example today where it feels familiar, like I've heard this 
hundreds of times, but I don't think I ever have before preparing this playlist. So right. really great. It's a great melody. I love melodies that have large leaps like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so catchy. You know, and you can just kind of take repetition. that through a sequence. Well, now we're going to go back to a system that's not controversial at all today. This is a Famicom. Back to that. And this is another game that I believe was just released in Japan. Believe it or not, a lot, this is a common misconception. It's actually a 64-bit console, the Famicom. Nobody knows that because it's not true. All right. Um... <laughs> This is a game called Nishimura Kyotaru Mystery Blue Train Satsujin Jiken. Um, something close to that, at least. And this is track eight. So, again, there's no titles known, uh, which you know, should not be a surprise. It should not be a surprise that some, some of those tracks on this playlist don't have titles and that example we just played didn't even have a composer so that should not be a surprise track eight this one is composed by akihito hayashi for the famicom let's check it out guys are listening to track eight from something something mystery blue train something or other (laughs) composed by akihito hayashi for the famicom uh it has to be a a mystery game that takes place on a blue train i'm just piecing that together really great uh piece of music here i love that chromatic descending baseline progression a little bit mysterious but um pretty catchy as well this is a lot of fun really good melody and it's it's one that moves by kind of quickly but it, uh, it reminds me of something that I think is true of a lot of great Japanese video game music melodies where you can tell they were composed slowly with a lot of thought. Like that melodic line, Ya-da-da-da. you know, that's not just something that's like the first thing that your fingers go to. It's very detailed and composed. But again, when you put it in with the groove and the rhythm and everything, it right. feels fun and natural. But it's the kind of melody that you could play slowly it's at a beautiful. Piano and oh, it might bring a tear to your eye. It's that kind of emotional ballad. That's what I love about video game music. It's like these melodies with a level of sophistication and craft that you would almost only expect for some kind of moodful ballad type piece of music. But it's like that level of craft going towards almost a pop song esque piece that it, right. I don't know game music is just so cool in that way and it's something that I think so many Japanese video game composers were so incredibly strong at writing these melodies that were able to be simple hummable iconic but also you know I, I guess a fair bit more emotionally sophisticated than 
a lot of other quote-unquote simple music you know what i'm saying i totally know what you're saying yeah i mean it's kind of a great example with this piece of music where the presentation of it in the tempo and the groove and everything is almost masking how beautiful and, and interesting and sophisticated yeah. that melody is well and the chord progression too you know it's highly emo- it's something that i think video game music people just focus on the surface level focus on the surface level aspects of it where it's these primitive synthesizers these plucky rhythms and so you think that's all it is but oftentimes the music Mm -hmm. that we love the most of the the 8 and 16 bit era was music that was kind of it was a combination of yes those attributes but also mixed with something very earnest and emotionally rich and that's why i think you know koji kondo's music is so successful not because it sounds like music for little children it's not hokey or excessively simple but it's that mixture of simplicity and complexity that makes it so durable well we're gonna move on to a piece of music that feels like that classic vgm sound it even has that rocking ease bass rhythm in here this is for the msx2 which is a system that I thought of it'd be fun to include today. It's a game called The Treasure of Usas, which I think is a Konami game. Will, have you ever heard of this game? Nope. Okay, cool. That's always a good indicator. I feel like if you haven't heard of it, it's not really in the public consciousness. Um, Stage 5 is the track that we're going to play. Composers are Kazuhiko Uehara, Kinoyo Yamashita, ooh, uh, Motowaki Furukawa, and Iku Mizutani. So an absolute all-star team of Konami composers composed a game that not a lot of people have heard of before. Treasure of Usas, Stage 5. guys listening to stage five from the treasure of usas composed by some all-stars from konami every single person that i just listed uh before we played this track is an absolute all-star um and it's kind of sad that this particular track in this game not really remembered very much these days this is for the msx2 um the composition is really strong there's, there's definitely a lot of limitations to this the sound of this um sound chip here uh seems like it's kind of this one size fits all tone that you get sure um and the composition does shine through luckily but uh yeah i would love to hear this track on maybe something like the nes or the even the c64 yeah i do have this almost bias or prejudice against 8-bit consoles that aren't the nes Mm-hmm. I just, I, I've said this before, but I just never like it as much. I mean, there, there's a specific magic about mm-hmm. whether it was accidental or, you know, I mean, that, I think his name, uh, Kaneoka, um, 
I can't remember Kaneoka-san, the um, gentleman who worked at who Nintendo, invented the sound chip, and, yeah, yeah, created that sound chip. I don't know how much of it was really methodically. Yukio Kaneoko, yeah. yeah, Yukio. Uh, I don't know how much of it was methodically planned, but for whatever the situation is, the resultant sound chip was just the perfect mixture of limitation and quality. That the sounds of that chip, where it's limited, I think, is in areas that has inspired so many composers to create such brilliant music and yeah. where it's really strong. It's like, it, it just has just the right mix for me and all of the tones. I love the square tones. I love the triangle tone. I love the balance. Of well, it. another thing that I find really interesting when I listen to MSX music that uses just the built-in kind of native PSG chip, which is what this is using. I really feel like it's lacking and I always want to hear it on other systems. But whenever I hear something using like, what's that? The SCC chip, which is that expansion kind of wavetable MSX chip that some games use. Whenever I hear that, I always feel like, okay, I'm on board for this. I really dig this sound. Um, but yeah, this is a very primitive sounding PSG here. Uh, really cool piece of music though. Uh, I'm excited to move on to something very rocking. And again, this is from a legendary video game composer um, from a title that, for whatever reason, just was not very popular. It's kind of fallen into obscurity uh, in some ways. In an era that this composer wrote so much classic music, this is F1 Sensation for the NES, composed by Tomoya Tomita. Also was assisted by Jun Chuma, not to be confused with Chick. Jun Chikuma. This is Jun Chuma. Yeah, Tom, Tomoyo Tamita, the lead composer. And this really reminds me of a lot of rocking NES music we just played recently on our TMNT episode. Right. Uh, so this this track is every bit as good as a lot of that stuff that's very beloved. And so I'm really glad that we get to shine a light on this. It's super, super cool. Let's check out Race Theme 2 from F1 Sensation. <laughs> You know, it's funny. The other day, I actually just started up once again Yoshi's Woolly World because I really had a great time playing it for the first time. I gotta say that Tomoyo Tamita has not changed his style throughout his entire series. It sounds exactly like Yoshi's Woolly World. I was just gonna say that. You took the words right out of my mouth, man. It's exactly the same. No, no, this, this is so rocking you can and shredding. You're the fun. lineage to Woolly World. <laughs> it's just so um, immediate, and it sounds like. The NES is taking this really shredding solo. It's like improvising. It's so funny to know that that was not obviously possible, and then this was meticulously inputted. And, the NES is you know, not a, a sentient robot that makes musical decisions. Yeah. Even though it sounds like that with this. F1 sensation. 
What a cool track. It is a sensation for my senses. Oh, this is <laughs> delightful. I love every single thing about this track. I mean, I love how progressive it is, but it's so, yep. again, the NES is just so much fun when you hear it going for this kind of power well, chord rock. I will say it's hard to not have fun, and it's kind of hard to mess up something when you have that up-tempo rock beat. You're almost going to have fun regardless. So it's such a great groove, and yeah, I mean, he just... He knocked it out of the park with all those awesome riffs. Yeah, the implementation is just uh, marvelous, too. I mean, the, the little pitch yeah. slides, the changes mm-hmm. of timbre, and even that kind of groove that you were just singing, Carl. It's like, it's very meticulously inputted, you know, with the noise channel and everything. And it, it's the kind of thing that, I don't know, you don't hear all that often in yeah. video game music. Not that specific kind of groove. I love the doublings, the moments where you have the kind of octave unison with the triangle and the squares. You know what's oh, kind of sad is so many times in this era when these when these really talented composers were working on the on these games, they didn't have a say whether or not this game would be, you know, lived on for many years and people love it and classic or fall into obscurity. But their quality of work doesn't necessarily change. Right. So if this was a track that was in a Ninja Turtles game, I have no doubt that this would be considered an absolute classic. Right. And we'd be here covered in bands well, all over the that's world. That's the one unfortunate thing. You know, I love media music. We do that podcast underscore on film music. Mm-hmm. We, You and I clearly love video game music. But the one downside, I guess I'd say, of media music is that it is kind of has to be a slave to whatever... Uh, project it's accompanying and I think the real negative to that is if the game isn't good or if the game is unsuccessful the music yeah can get lost to history in a way that you could argue maybe the same thing happens with like concert music I mean there's a lot of people if you really have a love affair with classical music there are so many incredible composers that you've never heard of with music that some people might argue is as good as the famous stuff but you could also say with that that it's like the cream might rise to the top it's in a medium where the only thing that's being judged is the music Mm -hmm. you know where it's like with video games maybe there are some people who buy a game because of the music but for the most part people don't think about the music or if they like the music it's a nice perk so the cool thing for our podcast is that we found so much incredible music that is as good as the stuff we grew up with since we've started this show it's basically brand new for like most people in the world and that's really fun to kind of shed the light on these lost treasures it's exciting it feels like we're like indiana jones like archaeologists or something it's it's really cool uh one of my favorite aspects of doing this pod for sure 8-bit archaeology would be the great name for like a podcast that just does obscure it sounds a little bit maybe self-indulgent uh in a way but uh i'm on board i mean you did just call yourself indiana jones so yeah i I kind of immediately regretted that uh, as soon as i said that okay back to the game boy this is a game called geki tau or geki toe power modeler uh, for the Game Boy, I think the Game Boy Color, because I think it's a little bit more, uh, it's like late 90s, I believe. And this was a composer, Koichi Fujiwara, who I remembered from Chameleon Twist 2, which is a really fun and poppy N64 score. And so um, hasn't done a lot of games. I think only a few games. Uh, definitely not a household name. Let's take a listen to the opening from Gekito Power Modeler.
You guys are listening to the opening from Giketu. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Something Power Modeler. Uh, <laughs> composed by Koichi Fujiwara for the Game Boy Color. This is cool. I love the rhythms of the melody. It's dancing. Yeah. It's very syncopated. In one of my yep. classes, I was just telling Carl this, but in some of my classes the last few weeks, one of the concepts that I've been talking a lot about with my students is the idea of syncopation and why a piece of music might make us physically want to dance. In like that, the science behind it. Yeah, I love that. I think it really a big part of it has to do with kind of subverting our expectations of the pulse. So when a rhythm comes in, you know, an eighth note early or a sixteenth note early and not We like it because we're not expecting it, yeah. Right. I mean, it's the same rule. Any jazz musicians that are learning about soloing or comping or something will have to... You'll learn about, like, what rhythms sound interesting or, or don't upset the groove as opposed to things that are kind right. of square. And I love video game music as an illustration of that because it's almost like the purest distillation. There's so much pop music that does that really well. But when you listen mm-hmm. to pop music, there, there are so many elements to examine. You have the words and the production style. But with video game music, yeah. the limitations allow you to just hear the clarity of the musical ideas in the melodies right. themselves. And something like this is just so solid one of my favorite moments is kind of you have dun, 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 and then when it goes up in kind of the sixth harmony and then the middle voice becomes this sort of descending counter melody line yeah. it's so fantastic i just love the way that that was composed it's like if i was teaching a class on like 8-bit composition i would want to use that as an example of a great way to kind of split the difference between parallel harmony and kind of splitting off to have its own rhythmic and counter melodic interest it's such a weird experience like listening through all this music that's very obscure but that's written in the style and this textbook tradition that we're so right. familiar with. And especially for us, we're just so deeply personally like connected to and, and familiar with. And it's, so it's a weird experience because it's a lot of these techniques that we know very well and that we're intimately aware of, but we've never really heard this exact composition before. It's, it's, it's really cool. And that's the thing. That's what happened to me with this next track we're going to play. We're going to go back to the NES. This is a game called Armed Drag. Fantasy Vilgust. Vilgust. Um, have you ever heard of that game, Will? Oh, I love it. I play it every it's day. It's one of, one of my favorites. This is composed by Yuko Sano and Shinji Amagishi. And we're going to play a track called King's Castle. Gotta this immediately, get my Vilgust on every day. <laughs> this immediately made me uh, feel like I'm in the world of Hyrule. This feels like a Zelda track or maybe even like a Final Fantasy track. It, it's just really, really good. Let's take a listen to King's Castle.
awesome composition. You guys are listening to King's Castle from Armed Dragon Fantasy Vilgust. Getting our gust on today. Composed by Yuko Sano and Shinji Amagishi for the NES. Oh, I, I adore this piece of music, man. It's just beautiful. I mean, it's a hidden gem that shines Zelda and shines. is right. The use of the Mixolydian mode here is just so splendid. That's the thing that makes it feel heroic to us. Um, basically, you have a, it, it's a major sounding mode. You know, you hear that major, but then that rub with like the flat seventh chord. But here, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about that kind of famous chord progression of one flat seven, flat six, and that kind of thing. But here, another way that you hear Mixolydian is actually with a minor five in a major mode. Right. And it has that same heroic sound, but maybe just a little bit more serious. And the other thing that this track has in the melody, yeah, na, 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 it has mm-hmm. some chromatically altered tones that accommodate that second chord progression. And that almost gives it like a, to me, it's almost like a Jewish folk music flavor. It's just so Interesting. beautiful. Well, if this was in a Zelda game, what do you think would be the location or what would be happening in the game right now? Would it be a King's Castle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a good, it, it definitely communicates the sort of power of mm-hmm. that and there's a little bit of tragedy that my favorite part is that B section that goes you know something kind of so weird splendid. is the use of that uh, portamento on the triangle we rem- really remind me of a lot of your compositions on Hero of Legend actually which is <laughs> oh, really? very odd it's a weird experience sure. to hear that well, but yeah god that B section it it goes to that sort of minor four chord back to one And that's sort of a pop music move, but the use here, it definitely feels richer than that. It feels classical. It it reminds me of film music, maybe John Williams. And maybe in in film music, it would probably be more of like a half diminished two chord over one or something more chromatic and rich. But on the NES, you know, you only ever get three notes at once. So you kind of take what you can get. But the melody is what makes that part so strong. Because if you listen to the notes of the melody, it doesn't doesn't emphasize any aspect of the minor four like if you just sing it and don't think about the harmony yeah da, 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 it sounds happy and triumphant but that chord progression makes us feel kind of sad and defeated in the mixture of those two things is to me the most potent thing about the song emotionally because the mm-hmm. melody is like yearning for something more it's still heroic and hopeful but the chord progression feels like it's pulling us down god right that's, that's my favorite track that we've played the whole day. I mean, it's, it's just really like good. totally right up my alley. All right, so we're going to go back to the controversy. And to make things even more controversial, this is going to be our track of the week this week. And <laughs> it comes from the Turbo Graphics. Um, for whatever reason, like to me, like musically, the Turbo Graphics is an 8 bit system. Um, and I kind of stand by my decision to include that on today's playlist. And I'm really glad because we found some incredible music, including this. This is from a game called Kuzo Kagaku Sekai Gulliver Boy. Now, there was an anime called Gulliver Boy, and some people might be familiar with that. Kohei Tanaka did score that. But this was a game uh, related to that series that came out for the Turbo Graphics. Uh, I definitely am not super familiar with this. Uh, and, and maybe some of you are, but it's it's absolutely amazing. Kohei Tanaka working on the TurboGrafx chip is just delightful. This is a, an amazing composition. 
Uh, and it it is interesting hearing the difference between chips like the NES and the Game Boy to the Turbo Graphics, which is more of this wavetable sound. Um, but you know, I'm just so glad we get to include this today. Let's take a listen to House Tuscany, composed by Kohei Tanaka. Beautiful. You guys listening to House Tuscany from Kozu Kagaki Sekai Gulliver Boy, which we may have played something uh, on a previous episode that maybe was it maybe something that focused on Kohei Tanaka. I can't remember. Uh, composed by Kohei Tanaka, the legendary composer for the Turbo Graphics, and sorry that it's technically not an 8-bit system, um, but I don't really care because this is such a great track. Uh, I just couldn't not yeah, include. Who this. would complain about that? Oh my God, it's beautiful. There's so many things to talk about here. I love the kind of pentatonic nature of the melody. Mm -hmm. It makes it very sweet and happy. The chord progression has that major seventh rub and all the time major sixth rub. But probably the the most uh, unique aspect about it and the one that I spent the most time thinking about is the rhythmic underpinning, which is the the habanera dance rhythm. Boom, 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 right. boom, 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 boom. A lot of this track feels like it's paying pastiche to uh, the famous um, the famous moment from George Bizet's opera Carmen. Which, in terms of classical music was really what kind of popularized the use of that habanero rhythm bum 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 right bum 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 which is a it's a spanish dance rhythm but it it kind of has this uh history in the orchestra and i think that's maybe a little bit of what kohei tanaka is trying to evoke because it's funny at, at the time of carmen that was seen as so incredibly exotic and like right. ooh, new but well, this it's funny just how time sure. passes yeah it it almost has a 
there's something comfortable about it though too and it feels classic and beautiful. I mean I think this is this is an incredible piece of chip music. I think the yeah. composition is amazing and it's up there with any of Kohei Tanaka's music. It's just very finely tuned and crafted, but the implementation on this turbo graphics is outstanding. The really, really beautiful interesting. like soft fading in attacks that make me feel like it's a cello yeah. and then kind of that really fast strumming instrument that really sounds like it's a mandolin or a guitar. Yeah. Well, and just almost beautiful. like the sound of like vibraphones or, or, or plucky right. mallet percussion for the bloom, 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 bloom. You know, God, it's so that's good. Just yeah. great. You could maybe almost imagine pizzicato strings or something. All right. Let's move back to the Game Boy. And we're going to go to, in my opinion, a classic Game Boy composer, one of my favorites. Not necessarily a household name unless you're a kind of a VGM head. This is Iku Mizutani. And we're going to play a track from Power Rangers Time Force. Uh, this might be the most <laughs> the most well-known game on this episode. I don't think it is that well-known, uh, but, you know, it's, it's a series and it's a, um, a franchise that's well-known. Power Rangers Time Force. Um, I definitely had never played this game. Maybe some of you have. This is Megazord Battle, composed by Iku Mizutani. You guys are listening to Megazord Battle from Power Rangers Time Force. Maybe a questionable um, inclusion today. Uh, not the most obscure, just because it's from a Power Rangers game. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, this isn't this isn't super well-known video game music composed by Iku Mizutani for the Game Boy. It's a deep cut for sure. I'd say I really yeah. like the progression because. Uh, you kind of, I don't know, at least me, you sort of assume where it's going to go. Right. You think it's going to go. But it actually, uh, a chord ends up being minor rather than major. And it, it, it becomes mm-hmm. more of a cyclical progression and it has a different sound than I was expecting. It's interesting. I can't think of another video game track that has this exact same progression. For sure. Yeah, it's like where it goes back to the loop is almost like two chords earlier than I would have expected in a kind of mean. cliche descending bass progression. I just love Iku Mizutani. I mean, his music always just yeah. like hits the spot for me and it's not like groundbreaking or it doesn't blow me away, but it just makes me feel good and it just oh, gets it's very me amped up. Love, love this gentleman. All right, let's move to the MSX. We played a, tra- a track from the MSX 2. This is for the original MSX. It's a game called F1 Spirit 3D Special. And it was composed by Masahiro Ikariko. Let's take a listen to the title screen.
You guys are listening to the title screen from F1 Spirit 3D Special, composed by Masahiro Ikariko for the MSX, and this is clearly using the PSG sound chip uh, of the MSX. Obviously, there were some other types of sound chips that were eventually used, such as the SCC. Um, this is a lot more primitive, but what a delightful track. It sounds so familiar. Both Will and myself, it feels like we've heard this like so many times, but I don't think we have. It sounds like a very simple chip rendition of some pre-existing pop song. Yeah, especially that... Oh, really? It's really good. Yeah. It's the kind of thing, though, the implementation is not as strong as the the bare-bones melody and groove. Like, this is a track that I really think would be stronger to have more harmony, would be better if it had a mm-hmm. better arrangement. Just that simple back-and-forth two chords progression is a little bit of a disservice because I think the melodic right. ideas are very strong. I agree. Yeah, th- I think that's exactly what I was feeling and maybe why I selected this. Um, I just think the melody is so catchy and the rhythms are so groovy, but the presentation is is definitely, it, it's yearning for something a little bit more. The music wants it to be a little bit more elaborate, but it's still a, it's still a really nice piece of music. Let's move on. We're going to go back to the Famicom. This is a game called Bio Miracle Boot. Bokute Upa. <laughs> um, that's the closest I can get. Now, when I first heard this track, it's called A Rattle Samba, also known as the stage theme. When I first heard this track, I could swear that it, this game had to be in like the, the Fantasy Zone series, you know, Fantasy Zone, Super Fantasy Zone. It really felt like in that musical vibe, but it, apparently it's not. Uh, it's for the Famicom. It's composed by Atsushi Fujio. Saichi Fukami and Koji Murata. Let's take a listen to a rattle samba from Bio Miracle Bokute Upa. You guys are listening to A Rattle Samba from Biomiracle Bokute Upa, and it's a Upa Samba style. This is for the Famicom. This is so fun and delightful, and I could have sworn that it was music from the fa- from the Fantasy Zone series, but apparently not. Yeah, especially that like whistle sound. Very, right. very fancy. I it's like very that they're able to get like a... Playful. a they, they figured out how to make that whistle sound with, you know, 8-bit squares. It's impressive. Yeah. Kind of a fast arpeggiation. That's really neat. I wonder how you would it's do that. It's almost like the it's like the sound effect of Mario changing directions. I, I really have no idea how you would do that on the pulses. It's probably something like... Just like really fast. Oh, oscillating between. Oh, interesting. Then, I should mention again, the composer is um, Atsu... Atsushi Fujio, Saichi Fukami, and Koji Morata. This was a game that I think was released on 
a couple different platforms. I think there was... Oh, I remember what this one was. There was an, a, a release on the Famicom disc system and then a release on the Famicom. And I found this YouTube video that was the audio from... It was like a playthrough with the Famicom version. And it was so much better than the Famicom disc system version. Like, it was, a, it was a different mixing and almost like a different arrangement. It just... This version sounds so much better. It took me a while to track this version down, but I'm really glad I did. That was a lot of fun. All right, we're going to go back to our last Turbo Graphics track of the day. Um, this is a game called Cross Wiber, or would you say... What would you... How would you say this, Will? Wiber? Uh, maybe Viber. I don't Cross know. Cross Viber. Or maybe um, maybe it's Wibber. It's definitely one of the. Oh, it could be Weber. Cross Weber. Yeah, let's go with that. Cross Weber. This is composed by Hiroto Saito, and this is Chapter Four. Let's check it out. You guys are listening to Chapter 4 from Cross Viber, composed <laughs> by Hiroto Saito for the Turbo Graphics. And again, I guess I should, I don't know if I should apologize for including that system today, but it just felt right. And for whatever reason, the, the, like, the kind of the musical tradition that a lot of Turbo Graphics music follows is so much more 8-bit than 16-bit. I mean, the use of those white noise channel drums, a lot of the tones just sound a lot more primitive than something like the Super Nintendo or the Genesis. So to me, this this feels right. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I love the use of the kind of Dorian mode, but with jazzy, you know, minor seventh yeah, harmony. Yeah, it's so jazzy. It, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of this uh, really early composition that I made in high school. Oh, really? Uh, a video game track called Race Game Menu, where it was like oh, I love that track. bluesy, I forgot jazzy about that. thing that had that kind of similar progression. You know, I've yeah, been this saying is lovely. I've been saying Turbo Graphics, but I think every example today is actually just PC Engine because I think this sure. stuff is just J- Japan only. Yeah, but um, PC but, Engine know. is one of the worst names for a video game console. <laughs> I mean, Worse it's definitely it's definitely better than Wii U. It's probably even better than the Wii. PC U. P P U P P frickin U. Okay, let's move on that, to the that, NES. That's my review for the Nintendo Wii. So U. I was so delighted to find this. This is an NES game that I stumbled across. Is it Cross it was, Viber Two? <laughs> no, it's called Legend of the Double Moon. Have you ever heard of this? Will this game? It sounds like Harvest Moon meets Legend of Zelda, but it's twice. It's double. It's a double moon. 
doubly good. Um, and this was one of those examples where I think I had like a lot of different like NSFs downloaded and I was kind of trying to save some time and, and check out different composers that did the games. And this was one, as soon as I realized, like I found that Motowaki Takanochi composed this game, I knew that it was going to be really good. And sure enough, it's incredible. This is the main theme from Legend of the Double Moon. And I got to say, Takanochi is one of my favorite video game composers. I was first introduced to his work in the Shining Force series with Shining Force 2 on the Genesis, which is one of the all-time best Genesis scores. It's, it's so delightful. His music is just very vibrant uh, and just some of my absolute favorite. Let's check out the main theme to Legend of the Double Moon. Absolutely classic stuff. Main theme from Legend of the Double Moon for the NES composed by wonderful video game composer Motowaki Takanochi, who's kind of known for being a little bit more progressive. Um, but I love when he goes for this classical stuff. I was familiar with his music on, like I said, the Genesis and other systems like the Game Gear uh, and then later systems, but I don't know if I'd ever heard an NES track from Takanochi, but this is so delightful. Oh, that's just marvelous. Again, a brief use of the Mixolydian mode. You know, that that sort of modal sound that's very heroic. It but feels it's like it's so the start of some like, classic uh, like 70s or 80s movie. Yeah, gosh, it's just outstanding. Like a heroic anthem. Um, it even reminds me a little bit of kind of like the opening to Candide, the Leonard Bernstein okay. um, opera. It's an anthem for sure. Oh, God, I mean, this is so, like a theme I love to the, It's up. just like a herald. Dum, ba-dum, 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 you know. And then I love that kind of pomp and circumstance march that comes. That could it almost feels like more of like a credits theme. Right. And then my, one of my favorite moments is in the B section when you kind of have this busying flurried counter melody yeah and the highest so treble voice that and feels it, like it's like a, f- a fast violin but it's section. playing against that fanfare from the beginning dun, 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 right. dun, 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 dun. but now with all this filigree it's so lovely i mean it's like what i love about 8-bit orchestral music is it's kind of distilling 8-bit <laughs> orchestral because well, they say with like really good symphonic writing 
there should really only ever be like four things going on at once. I mean, yeah. there, there can be multiple pitches um, within that idea, but you don't want too many different distracting ideas going on. You want to have some clarity right. of writing. So with that in mind, you really can sort of represent the effect of a lot of orchestral music with just a few pitched channels. I mean, you won't be able to have the Well, the yeah, clearly here, you, it's possible. It's... <laughs> It's not easy, and it requires every idea to be very solid and memorable, and, and, you know, the actual idea itself to be of such a high caliber. And so you're forgiving it on this primitive presentation because the ideas are so good. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Uh, his name, what is his name? It's not a Scopper Kanaguchi. That's what I called the dude. Oh, it's like Hidenori... Hana, Hanazashi or something. His alias is a scopper. Just call him a scopper. Anyways, but that, there was that Sky Palace, that game, remember, that had sort of this classical sounding music. Gosh, that was just outstanding. Give me a minute. You know, keep keep talking and I'll try to find that well. Just just say something. Um, a scopper, a scopper, a scopper, escaper. <laughs> that, I think that's what I call them, escaper, Kanaguchi. No, but this Legend of the Double Moon theme, I mean, it's just outstanding. We we love Motoaki Takanuchi on this podcast, but this is maybe one of my favorites I've ever heard. I mean, just right off the bat, it had such an exciting mood. I mean, it, it almost reminded me a little bit of the... Um, the Star Fox uh, theme from um, the SNES game. You know, that really exciting. Also uses sort of the Mixolydian mode. Hey, Will, I think I found the dude. Hideki Kanazashi? Right, that's, yeah, that's his name, not Hidenori. That's the dude. Hideki Kanazashi. This reminded me of the uh, soundtrack Sky Palace that also kind of nice. has this neoclassical 8-bit type of score, but this is even more overtly symphonic. I'd yeah, love I to do say, an episode on this kind of 8-bit music, you know, very mm-hmm. classical, uh, stately British, you know, pump. I got to say that I cannot get enough of Motowaki Takanochi's music. It's some of my absolute favorite. Every system that he works on, it, and this is kind of reminiscent of someone like Tim Fallon where doesn't matter the system that Takanuchi is working on. He's going above and beyond, and he's pushing it to places that I usually don't ever hear for that system. Uh, and it might not always be classical. Like, one of my favorite things he did is, like, that Jewel Master soundtrack on Genesis, which is really, like, kind of progressive and groovy and funky. What a great composer. Okay, let's move on to a Famicom game called Yamamura Misa Suspense. This is the title screen composed by Yuko Sano. Oh, that was a name that we had earlier. Let me try to see when was that. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was in that Armed Dragon Fantasy Vilgus, which was one of Will's favorites of the day. So the same composer uh, that composed that as well as Yuko Shimakawa. Let's check it out.
such a great track. This is the title screen from Yamamura Misa Suspense. Misa Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> this is composed by Yuko Sano and Yuko Shimakawa for the Famicom. Will, how does this compare to that previous Yuko Sano uh, fantasy Vilgus track to you? Oh, I mean, it, to me, it's not really a comparison. I mean, that track was probably still my favorite of the day. Um, gotcha. But this is really fun. It's it's very pretty. I like the progression. Uh, very video gamey and and fun. I don't. Yeah, I don't have anything negative to say about this. But I do still. I would still put that armed dragon fantasy king's castle track as my favorite of the day. No question. For sure. It's a great one. All right, we're gonna move on to a composer, uh, Yusuke Takahama who is known for such amazing works as Side Pocket GB, uh, and a really great jazz oh, fusion score. Good so good. This is another Game Boy game. It's called New Century GPX Cyber Formula. Carl, you pulled a little bit of a Carl. Um, it's kind of like that one time you're like an absolute classic Mark Davis fishing master. I was kind of kidding. I mean, I was very clearly realizing that was side ridiculous. pocket is the Game I mean, Boy Mark Davis fishing as master. obscure as side pocket GB is. I will say New Century GBX Cyber Formula is more obscure. This is BGM two. Let's check it out. You guys are listening to BGM2 from New Century GPX Cyber Formula, composed by the wonderful Yosuke Takahama, who should be a household name. He's such a great composer. This is for the Game Boy, and this is actually one I've had on the back burner for a long time. It's been, I think, considered for like previous show and tells, and for whatever reason, I, I didn't include it in previous show and tells. So I'm really glad to finally share this on the podcast. I love that intro section. It's my absolute favorite. It's a really cool riff that repeats over the bar. Bambo, 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 bambo. It's so groovy. And then when the actual main melody comes in, it's just very pleasing and delightful and jazzy. And see the one thing again. This is something that needs a better arrangement because that over the bar thing would be more catchy if it started with the drum groove in my right. opinion like because i feel like you need to hear how it stacks up like once it comes back later and you just have the hi-hats like i feel like if it still had the kick and snare kind of feel and it would be more catchy because i agree that's probably the most interesting part of the track and it, it's also a really interesting progression because it's like you don't know where you're starting you can't tell where the one is because it's basically four five flat six flat seven mm-hmm. four five and it's like all these major chords but no clear sense of tonality right and then when the a section comes in it doesn't start on the one so harmonically by doing a harmonic analysis it's like this track does such a good job of not delivering 
offering you that tonic, that sense of home, right. which is perfect for looped video game music. It keeps you in suspense. And then when the melody dubs come in, it's this fun little sort of dancey thing. But even there, it's like constantly modulating and changing up your expectations. This is great. I just love the combination of kind of jazzy fusion style chords with a really catchy and pleasing melody. It's perfect for video game music. It's such a great hidden gem. And I'm so glad we finally get to share it on the podcast. Because like I said, I've had that I've had that on the back burner for maybe close to a year now. Really awesome. Let's move on to an NES game called Werewolf the Last Warrior. And this is a Data East game. And you know what's interesting? Yosuke Takahama was a Data East composer, and he's featured on this track as well. The composers on this game were Shogo Sakai, Takafumi Miura, and Yosuke Takahama. I believe Shogo Sakai was the lead composer on this game. Another incredible composer. Let's check out No More Heroes, boy from Werewolf the Last Warrior. You guys are listening to No More Heroes, boy. You've had enough heroes. Stop it with the heroes. Uh, from Were- Werewolf the Last Warrior for the NES uh, by some wonderful Data East composers, Sakai, Miura, and Takahama. This is really cool. I just love using the triangle as the lead. Uh, and this track is just very sh- like soaring, and it just cuts out in the mix in a really badass way. I think this is a really cool piece. Yeah, it's gnarly, man. This is really cool. I love the groove. It's super funky yeah. and very modern sounding. That kind of delayed echo reminds me of stuff that I did in Dr. Acula. Where it's I would kind of spooky, have yeah. The snare hit in like an echoey way with the groove, but I never it's had a vibe-y. track with this kind of laid back kind of funky groove i love hearing 8-bit music and again a great opportunity for triangle to take the melody mm-hmm. it's perfect for that kind of spooky sine wavy synth it reminds me a little bit of you know sonic 2 okay sure it's definitely groovy for sure can we do an I episode guess kind of a hip-hop vibe. spotlighting on that particular song because i just started just talk about it, it the entire like, day oh God. yeah just for an hour masato nakamura oh sonic no, we thought about that two. before someone else mentioned that and, and it would be kind of cool i think other podcasts have explored the idea of like a deep dive into one song and it, i guess well, it's I mean, kind of what we've we done do that on underscore in the breakdown in analysis but like we don't necessarily have to just talk about the theory like we could just like dissect every part of it and why it works and everything um that would be that'd be cool Yeah, I know you guys have done that in Underscore. We're going to play you guys out with a track called You Win from Cran Shin-Chan, Ora Topoipoi. And it's a lot of fun. It's a perfect way to send you guys on your way. It's going to definitely give you some spring in your step. This is composed by Akihito Hayashi and Shinji Amagishi. It's a Famicom track. And Will, did you have a good time today? I did. I really had a good time today. This is—it's kind of what the doctor ordered, right? Just what I I needed after dealing with uh, 
children all day. It's, it's some nice bratty to, kids. Nice to do yeah, adult I mean, stuff like video games and <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> um, yeah, 8-bit music is just really hard to beat. It just puts a smile on my face. So much talent uh, that is that is showcased on today's episode by all these wonderful composers. A lot of music that most of you, I would wager, haven't heard before. Um if I had to guess ones that you have heard, maybe some of you have heard that Power Rangers Time Force. Maybe some of you have heard that F1 Spirit. Maybe a couple others. But some of the stuff is incredibly obscure. And it's all really great. So glad we get to showcase that. Um, okay, yeah, let's just do some final plugs at the end. We want to thank all of our lovely patrons for your continued support. We want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast and any new listeners. Thanks for coming aboard. Thanks to everyone for leaving iTunes reviews and rating on iTunes. Very helpful for new people to discover the show. Thanks for all the delightful emails and comments that we get from you guys. We read every single one. We try to respond to as many as we can. Sometimes uh, it might take a while or might may forget, but just know that we always read our emails. So thanks for your uh, for your interaction. Um, if anyone's interested, we have a really great Discord channel. Um, that we nerd out about games and music and a lot of different stuff. So if you want to invite code to that, just drop us an email, drop us a comment. We'll hook you up. Anything else you got, Will? Uh, I think that's everything, man. Oh, wait, should we plug uh, VGM con? That was just announced a little bit ago. Oh yeah. VGM con. Con. Yeah. So that's not going to be coming until next year, early 2019, but that is uh, a really awesome convention that is put on by a a lot of our friends uh, that we've been involved with for a while. And so the Super Mario Brothers Band will be playing that next year. It's going to be in Minneapolis. So you should definitely uh, check out VGM Con, go online and go on Facebook and find out all the details. We're going to have some great bands, uh, some great uh, acts and and guests and everything. It's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully, Um, you know, I don't want to speak too soon but hopefully we'll also be doing mag mag fest yes this year yeah we will keep you posted with details on that but in any case regardless of that you guys definitely should check out mag fest if you've never been we can't wait it's coming up in january and we are just giddy as schoolgirls over here um <laughs> all right we're gonna play you out with you win from cran shin shan ora to poi poi my name is carl brueggemann and i'm his brother will brueggemann Keep it real, everybody. (laughs) Have a great week. Peace out.